I'm Amy Lattimore. And I'm Brian. We are co-founders of With Wellness, a wellness club for employees, where our mission is to create space for you to learn to care for yourself and those you love. Welcome to the Priorities Podcast. In a world filled with ongoing, high stress, and tough demands, how do we begin to prioritize? I mean, like, for real, prioritize who and what matters most. Throughout this podcast, we'll speak to everyone from expert practitioners and academics to everyday moms and dads. During each conversation, we'll look for observations, learnings, and insights to help us all to prioritize and deprioritize when and where we need to. And while we can't prioritize for each other, we can prioritize with each other. So with that, let's get into this episode. On today's episode, we speak with executive and leadership coach, Dr. Margaret Alabi, to get her perspective on what it means to go from a good leader to a great leader and practical next steps on how leaders can begin to prioritize what matters most. Let's get into it. So we're here. Are we actually here? We're here. Wow. I'm in Atlanta. Where, where where are you, Amy? <laughs> I'm 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 downstairs <laughs> in oh, Atlanta. Okay, got it. And doc, Dr. Margaret Alabi, you are also here. I'm I'm in Atlanta, but I'm in the metro area. I'm in Decatur, where it's greater. The people that know know. <laughs> That's awesome. Like it. Well, it's it's amazing to have you. I'm not gonna do sort of the formal intro. I did want to set an intention together, maybe allow for each of us to speak into what we'd love this episode to be and the outcomes. There are three things that we noted. One is to understand the nature of leadership um, and how it's evolved over the last few years. Um, obviously, I cannot speak to that. So thank goodness you're here, Dr. Alavi. Um, <laughs> number two, teach people that leadership is a trait inherent in all of us, mm-hmm. um, and that we should all look for ways to encourage and nourish that trait. I see you, Chief Engagement Officer, hey. uh, Encouragement hey. Officer, and then uh, share some actionable tips to help people undergo their journey to leading themselves first uh, and and others. Um, and energy-wise, it's just, you know, I love the the vibe we've we've been in relationship and kinship and in, in sort of workship um, yeah. together. And so bringing that natural familial vibe that, you know, I think we established um, maybe some cuss words uh, that we can bleep out later <laughs> just to let people know that it's real. It is real. Let them it know. is real. It is real. Either two of you ladies, please speak into any thoughts. I love it. I love it. So like our, our intentions are already set. I, I, hopefully the listeners can feel, you know, that this is it's definitely a safe space. And uh, my hope is that as folks are listening to us speak today, um, that there will be some freedom and some release found in the words that we are sharing today, because that that is what this existence is about. Right. You can't really do you unless you are cool being you. And um, we're going to get into some of that today. I love that. That was a word. We just, yeah. Let's just close the podcast right now. She said freedom, (laughs) and then she said release. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we need it. We need it. Okay. Well, with that being said, let's let's hop in. Let's let's get started. Um, And so, I would really love Dr. Margaret Alabi for you to tell us about yourself and the work that you do as a coach, particularly as it relates to the Pivot Consulting Group. 
Absolutely. So uh, I am an Atlanta native, uh, born and raised. I'm a Grady baby. So that's another way that you know it's real nice. and why those curse <laughs> words might actually flow. <laughs> I think the most important and hilarious part about my existence is that I am a pharmacist who's never dispensed a pill a day in her life. And I never intend to. Um, I have worked primarily in the corporate world since I graduated from pharmacy school and specifically in the pharmaceutical industry. So I practically touched just about every single part of the industry outside of clinical research. Um, I started off in corporate affairs in one of the highest levels at that particular company as one of the most junior people in that department. I got a chance to work with our North American president of our business, also got to engage with the CEO of this multinational organization. And the truth is, I was scared out of my wits because I, I'd never been in um, such a position. I didn't really know what to say or what not to say. And I had been told mm -hmm. by my peers that didn't look like me that this is like a super crucial thing. So their fears kind of rubbed off on me and um, it created a really interesting persona in the workplace for me. Uh, that immediately got smashed by God. I would say I literally like I was sitting in my cubicle and I heard God say, who are you trying to impress? You trying to interest, impress these people? Or are you trying to impress me? And so that is when my my professional career took a pivot, right? And I began to pivot back to my own personal greatness, the things, the natural gifts mm -hmm. and abilities that got me the role is what I turn myself back to focusing on as opposed to trying to um, fit in to the area that I was at because those people didn't even know what they were doing. And here I am trying to be like them. I lost it. <laughs> it was bad. It was really bad. I lost it. And so um, when I began to lean more into the truth of me, um, I started to attract people who were coming out of pharmacy school who wanted to do the same thing that I wanted to do. And that led me to really say, okay, great. I can interview, like help you get your interview game up and you can get this job. But if you're anything like me, meaning a person of color, whether they be Indian, Asian, whatever, I had all kinds of people reaching out to me. You're going to hate your life in this corporate world mm -hmm. because this is not our world. Like this, we don't play like this. We don't do things. <laughs> this, mm -hmm. right? I realized that I needed to invest in myself to get trained in order to equip people in the corporate space to handle whether, you know, multiple situations, whether it be microaggressions, et cetera, right? And so in 2017, the Pivot Consulting Group was born officially, right? Because I was like, all right, great. I, I, I think I can do this now because I've gotten some official training. I am a certified coach. You can look me up with the ICF. Um, nice. So <laughs> I have coaching insurance as well, right? Because those things are really important when you're dealing with people's lives and their livelihood. You don't want to play about that, right? You don't want to mm -hmm. give out any kind of advice or poke into areas that are, are outside of your scope and or your ability when it comes to being a coach. Uh, that being said, it's quite different from therapy as well. So some people like to conflate the definition of coaching mm. and therapy. And these two things are quite different. So um, I do my best to make sure that all of my clients are aware of that. And yeah, I just enjoy being in this space. I love it. You said a whole lot that I, I want to unpack a little bit, particularly as it relates to your, 
you being a woman of color, mm. going into this new corporate environment, mm-hmm. feeling the pressure to be something that you weren't, mm-hmm. but then having the courage to actually, as you mentioned, pivot back into who you are naturally. And yeah. so I'd love to just like unpack that a little bit. Like how, what does that look like? What does that process actually look like? Um, because the truth of the matter is that the promotions, the raises, yeah. the all of those things mm-hmm. typically don't come unless you've assimilated into <laughs> that particular work office culture. Ooh, wait a minute. And, yeah. Did you really just go there, Amy? You did. I, this I really did. She did. I did. Okay. I love it. I love it. I am so happy that she did because that is one of the myths that I believe need to be debunked. Okay. Mm. So as we unpack this, I'll, I'll be very frank with my own personal experience. After I heard, literally, Claire audiently heard that voice and had to observe myself. And say, yeah, I have been trying to impress these people. Once I figured out and had the courage as well as the boldness to say, you know what, to hell with what they got going on. Because like I said, it's barely working for them. It's clearly not working for me. Let me just do me. Mm -hmm. I got recognized by the North American president of our business. And I was nearing the end of my time in that particular department. I had expressed that I wanted to stay on in that department and and continue to do work. Mind you, I was the only woman of color with an advanced degree in that department, yet they still tried to treat me like an admin. Mm -hmm. So the North American uh, president, her son was doing a preceptor, a summer like preceptorship in that department. And they were all afraid to talk to this guy as if he wasn't a regular human being. So one of my natural gifts, and um, it was validated by Gallup, uh, my number one strength is being a relator. So everyone wouldn't talk to him because they were afraid of saying something that he would report back to his mother. I took that as an opportunity to engage with this young man. I bumped into this woman at a conference in the bathroom. We're having like a private event for some of our external partners. And she said, Margaret, I've heard so much about, she called me by my name. She knew everything about me because (laughs) why? I chose to lean into my gifts, especially with her son to just be like, hey, you know, he was like, how do things work here? I showed him the ropes. I made his time there super fun, right? And he felt like he had Mm -hmm. somebody in the office to communicate with. She said, so Margaret, what are you doing after this? And I said, well, I want to stay. I've expressed that to the VP of this department who was standing outside of the bathroom. We had, I had another colleague who was like a senior director um, in the bathroom with us, washing our hands, ear hustling. And um, as we all exited the bathroom, this white cisgender woman walked straight up to this cisgender male who had on numerous occasions displayed racist and uh, misogynistic behavior. And she said, mm-hmm. I heard y'all are trying to let great talent leave this company in the person of Margaret Alabi. And I'm not going to let that happen. I'm going to make sure that she has a role on my side of the business since you all don't know what to do with talented people. Now, my wow. jaw was on the what? Ground. The white lady who was in the restroom with us, jaw also on the ground. Everybody now, <laughs> you know, like it was just like, whoa, this, this woman displayed her allyship, not in the closet, But for everybody, including my then manager, who was the VP of our department, for everybody, 
to see. Mm. And she put that hammer down. Homegirl said, I used to be a sales rep at Meharry College. I love black people. So she she was here for it. Okay. <laughs> so you know what I mean? She was here for it. I treated her kid well. I never treated her like she wasn't human. I talked to everybody like they were human beings, right? And I think that's mm-hmm. one thing that um is really, really important in these corporate spaces because they the leaders already feel awkward because they don't know who's lying to them. They don't know who's telling them the truth. So mm-hmm. when you when you show up as anything other than who you are, you might as well be with the phonies and you will be counted as such because people don't make it to high levels in corporate companies without having some level of intuition and some ability to be able to read the people who are who they're engaging with. Right. And so they know the people who are trying to kiss their butts versus the people who are, you know, uh, starstruck, et cetera. Right. So just show up as you. I say Mm. that. And let me make a disclaimer. You've got to have the courage to do that. And I know and I understand that sometimes that is not available, but that's why coaches exist to help you build that courage, to help you build that level of boldness, to help you build that confidence in your own gifts so that your gifts will create room for you wherever you go. I love all of that. Um, and super <laughs> resonant, um, particularly I'm just fanning particu- all of that <laughs> to myself. Indeed. Courage. Amen. <laughs> so then in that same vein, as a coach, particularly, you know, um, focusing on those who are leaders, I'd love to understand how you would actually describe the difference between a good leader and a great leader um, and what that looks like. Uh, because it, I feel like in that bathroom, that story, there were there was a combination of a whole lot of different types of leaders in that bathroom or just outside of it. And so, yeah, I would love to hear your perspective on that difference. Ooh, wow. That is such a great question, Amy. And um, a good leader is a person that is in, in tune with what's going on in their environment, right? Like they understand their landscape, they understand what's uh, expected of them, and they set a decent level of priority for the people that are reporting to them. A great leader steps outside of themselves, right, to be more than just aware, but to be in tune with just about everything that concerns them and their business, right? Um, What does that mean? Not just, okay, how are you tracking along on your goals, um, whether they be professional or personal, but also really paying attention to the people, like going a little bit deeper than just the work, right? Um, Great leaders are also people who clearly have confidence and courage in themselves. You know, just an aside about that particular leader, she introduced coaching as a mainstay to that organization. Mm -hmm. Um, She created a role called a change agent role, which basically were hired or people who were already employees of the organization that got the opportunity to get trained in the um, practice of coaching. And they would be deployed throughout the organization to help teams move past 
whatever roadblocks or challenges they might have found themselves in, right? So great leaders take care beyond just the business. They really get to the people because at the end of the day, it's the people that's going to do the business. If the people are with you, the business is going to be taken care of, right? But they've got to know that you care about them. And she did an amazing job of being accessible, and that is key. Good leaders, or some people think that with leadership, there's this veil, you get your office, you close those doors, honey, and they need to see the admin assistant to talk to you. That was not her. Mm-hmm. She walked around. She, you, Nobody ever knew where she was going to pop out of <laughs> in the office, right? So she was visible. She was accessible. And I, I think those things um, definitely make a difference between a good leader and a great leader. You've got to, people are not going to follow you if they don't, if they can't touch you, if they can't feel you, if they can't, you know, relate um, outside of just, Mm -hmm. oh, you're my boss or, oh, you have this title. And I guess we're supposed to do that. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a difference between this is what I should do versus, you know what? No, I actually really want to do this. I really want to be here with you. I love it. And so with that, how would you then, for those great leaders, and you know, particularly for those who are aspiring to that, whether within themselves or or otherwise, what should they be prioritizing? What are the maybe top three priorities that they should be focused on uh, to go from good to great, or to stay at great? Absolutely, that that's another great question, <laughs> Amy. <laughs> so this is going to sound a little bit counter or counterintuitive to how we've all been raised, right? And um, number one is you've got to be like you got to get in tune with yourself. It is about you first. You cannot give from an empty vessel, right? So if you are not consistently pouring into yourself on a regular basis, it's going to turn into hell for you and the people that you're leading because resentment will grow in you out of the sheer fact that you believe everything that you're doing is for the people that you're leading when the truth is we all do things for ourselves, not for anybody else. We can lie to ourselves and say, I'm doing this for, no, 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 no. Get really clear on you. The next thing I'd say is, and it all centers on self, is getting in tune with your personal values. The values that you had um, coming out of whatever education you received or non-education you have is quite different based on where you are now because you've got a, a whole lot more experience in life. So getting very clear on what it is that you value today not yesterday, not when you were asking for the promotion or hoping to get, you know, placed in this role. Now that you're here, what are your values? Because it is your values that drive your decisions. It is your decisions that mm-hmm. impact everyone around you, right? So if you're if you're not strong on your values, your team and the people lead, uh, that you're leading will suffer because they don't know where you stand on issues and nor do you. Right. Mm-hmm. So when conflict arises or where you need to act like a buffer for someone on your team, if you're not very clear on how you like to show up and why you do the things that you do or how you operate, it's going to be a tough road. Um, and then I'd say number three is, again, just 
making sure that I, I was thinking about this this morning uh, <laughs> and I was like, hmm, this is interesting. I'm going to do a biblical reference here with Samson. And we knew that, you know, the moment Delilah cut his hair off, the strength was gone, right? So gone. what is is it, if, if it's not, you know, looking at Samson, is it looking at Superman and kryptonite, right? So what are those things that zap your power? Mm. And you got to know what those things are because it's like, okay, great. If I don't get my morning coffee, I'm going to be off. If I don't get my morning exercise, whatever it is that you need to do to stay powered, do that. Because again, when you don't get your regular, whatever it takes to keep you going in, everybody around you. Suffers. Can I tell you, Dr. Alabi? <laughs> yep. That a zapper. <laughs> Let me just coin this right now. A zapper for me <laughs> yep. is grits without uh -huh. the butter. Ain't got no season. I'm a great girl myself. No butter. Yeah, I am zapped. I can't Can leave nobody. I can't leave myself. But if you flip that, <laughs> if you got a look, a strong breakfast, the put butter? the butter, salted butter. You know, period. Yeah, it, honey, because breakfast is a key meal. So if it ain't right, it's it gonna, is. it's definitely gonna impact how you. Yes, and what's a zapper for you, Amy? I already know, because I mean, like you said at the top of the episode, I know where you are. I mean, I ask you. But I know where you are. What's a zapper for you, Amy? That's a good question. I'm really interested in hearing what your perspective is on my zapper. I mean, to me, I, I need breakfast. So that is that is a big zapper. Like I, if I don't have any breakfast, if I don't have like my tea or something like warm in the morning, like I am, I am not happy. Uh, hangry is the personality I, I take on very quickly. Those are important things to know. Yeah. It's important. And also, I think good, great leaders also are not afraid to share what their zappers are so that their people on the team can know not to take it personally. Because that's what ends up happening is your team now thinks, well, gosh, my leader doesn't like me because of X, Y, Z. There are so many zappers, environmental zappers, physical zappers. Like if your leader's pants are too tight or they're... <laughs> jacket is too tight that's a zapper right <laughs> it, it happens right you got to get up you got to you want to look snazzy for the presentation you ate one too many bagels the morning the morning of and now you're feeling constricted it could be your desk right some something and or someone has shifted some things on your desk right and so now mm -hmm. when you, every time you look at your desk you're frustrated because something has moved you got to know and understand these things about you and and be comfortable articulating these things to people so that they don't get the wrong impression about how you're engaging with them. Because it's very easy for people to assume that, oh, wow, you know, this person maybe doesn't like me because of one or two interactions and they don't know that, you know, your the hairpin was press pushed in a little too tight. And, you know, like they don't know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they don't know where it's coming from. So also, you know, using it as a, a way to diffuse the energy as well. Like, oh my God, this hairpin is really tight in my head today. So I'm I'm a little on it. Just give me a second, mm -hmm. you know, to figure myself out. 
great leaders do that. They they take those things that could be escalated up here and they just go ahead and diffuse it by addressing the truth mm. of the situation. I think that's great. Mm. I think it's, you know, I heard a couple things in that. One is knowing thyself, right? Um, part of, you know, the Priorities podcast, a key lesson here is getting to know yourself, being aware and if you're not aware, sort of uh, engendering that awareness. If then number two, <clears throat> which I think a lot of people, you know, might fall into this bucket where they're aware but they don't communicate it. I think the that link that you stated earlier around communication and courage, right? Because uh, in some mm-hmm. cases we may not communicate because it's not a safe space. Maybe we're not ready for the consequences whatever they may be. And we might over exaggerate in our minds what could negatively happen if we communicate what those things are. Um, and oftentimes, you know, people probably are, are communicating and sort of self-aware, but they're doing it from a place where they feel disempowered, right? So for example, I'm thinking about myself where I definitely had points of view, preferences, values in previous jobs, but I didn't communicate it because I was seeing myself as bottom of the the pyramid, bottom of the hierarchy. And if I were to communicate that upward, people see me, saw me as dispensable. And I wasn't prepared to do that because I have a family. I wasn't prepared to do that because I was in debt. I wasn't prepared to do that because so many other circumstances. And so I sort of, you know, just sort of defaulted Mm -hmm. into a place of knowing myself, but really being frustrated um, and being upset not really being able to communicate or if I would communicate it, it would be in sort of passive aggressive ways or in slight ways. And so, uh, so thank you for that, that sort of piece of knowing your values, being able to communicate them. Um, and I would imagine that's where we sort of coaching is helpful of figuring out how to navigate that because these are dynamic and tricky waters. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And Brian, I really want to just um, acknowledge and validate what you just said, because that is so true you know you're clearly not alone we have all been there some of us are probably you know some of the some of us that are listening are probably still there right in that place so it is a true feeling of oh my god anything and everything that I'm doing is under a microscope or under the gaze right and I don't want to draw attention to myself which is like almost counterintuitive. You do want to draw attention to yourself to get the promotion, to get the accolades, et cetera. And it's just like, how do I do that to your point without it jeopardizing my role? And yes, that is exactly where coaching comes into play. I'm going to get real Atlanta on y'all right now, honey, because here's, here's my truth. I can speak to my truth, which may resemble a lot of other people's truths. I did not know how to have um, serious conversations without it feeling confrontational from my end. I made it confrontational off top because guess what? When I was in the seventh grade, the first I had switched out of private school into public school and I got bullied. And so I learned how to fight in the seventh grade. Mm. So you say anything that is off, I'm like, it's a fight. Or (laughs) you've done something, the slightest thing you could do from my end, based on my life and my experiences, it, it sent signals to my brain saying that this was a fight. It was (laughs) not until coaching that I realized 
oh, that's just in my head. Oh my God. Mm. Like it's, it actually is not that big of a deal. I don't always have, it does not have to be a fight. It can truly be a calm, open, and mm. I don't want to say resolute probably isn't the best word here, but a, a conversation that will come with a resolution that works for both parties. However, if your life experience has never trended that way <laughs> to where you got the results you were looking for without a fight, then how, how would you know? How would you mm. ever know? Right? So in coaching, what I do with a lot of my leaders is we really just get down to the brass tacks of it. How do you know that what you're thinking or what you've just spoken about the situation is true? What evidence mm. do you have that, you know, confirms that that will be the outcome? You don't. Why? Because you haven't even done it. And your life experiences are informing you, which is not a bad thing. We all make you know, mm. decisions and choices based off of our life experiences. However, when you get some new data and you get some new information, you get the opportunity to move a little bit differently. And if you're the only person talking to you, you know, again, you, you, you're, you're, the information you have available to you is, is really just that, my life experiences. So all mm. I know, you know, um, to call on, um, the color purple. All's my life. I had to fight, baby. If that's your story, you know, like then it's a real story. There's nothing mm. fake about that because that's been your life experience. However, it doesn't always have to end up that way. And that is something for us that's um again, it's it's not uh well practiced, it's not well um rehearsed, because it does take some you know, like it takes some rehearsal to get into this space of operating in a way that's best for you. Cause nobody said that you wanted to fight all the time, but if you feel like that's what you need to do in order to get to where you want to go, then you pony up. But Hey, it doesn't have to be like that. Hmm. It doesn't have to be like that. What I'd love to do is sort of tap into the central, at least one of the central questions uh, around prioritization one thing that you you've given me and shared with me, Amy, is uh, helping think through sort of the context or, or the system that I'm operating in, along with sort of the things that, you know, as a leader, I would be focused on myself, things that I can improve. And so my question for you, Dr. Alabi, is what does it look like when a leader's prioritizing themselves within the context that they're probably all of us are operating in a system or a culture which may be counter to your mm. values, counter to you prioritizing yourself. Um, and I could see in my mind, and maybe like you, Dr. Riley, I could see that as tension and friction. And you either default to you got to be quiet and like just grin and bear it, or I'm going to be a black hippie out here. I'm going I'm to I'm I'm wear my tie-dye and my peace sign. <laughs> And I'm not working no more. Is, is there middle ground? I definitely think that there is middle ground, Brian. And But it, that middle ground is hard to get to without a little bit of help, right? And we mm -hmm. got, and that's why I love the fact that we're doing this work together, uh, not just through this podcast, but also through with to help normalize these things for people of mm -hmm. color. Like it's, mm -hmm. we, we, 
as Americans, we live in the extremes. That's just how society works. However, yes, there is a middle ground. And what does that look like? It looks like tapping into your intuition. So great, you're prioritizing yourself beyond just your, you know, physically working out, beyond just your own personal development, but also taking those times, um, whatever it looks like for you, to get into a silent place to Mm -hmm. where you can really, really and truly understand the environment around you. Tapping into your intuition allows you to know when you should talk and when you shouldn't talk. Right. And I think that's really, really big for people of color. We, we use our our intuition outside of the workplace all the time, um, but we, we try to keep it there, like out of the workplace. Your intuition is around the clock thing. It never takes a break. A lot of us will try to stifle or um, silence our intuition, especially in the workplace, which leads to more stress because now you're making decisions or doing things that are completely off kilter for you. And it just creates more and more problems. How do you tap into that intuition? Because I think this this is powerful as I'm thinking about intuitive prioritization, sort of leveraging a whole set of different data points, some of that being emotional, some of that being contextual, environmental. How does one do that? Because I, I feel like when I'm at my best, I do that, but I also feel like that's hard. It, it, yeah, and it can be. So yes, you're absolutely right. So um, there, in, in when I work with my clients, I like to talk about energy, right? Energy is never good or bad. It just is. However, when we are operating in stress levels, it's really, really hard for us to show up at those energy levels that allow our intuition to be free flowing to where you're not having to ask me, well, how do you practice it? Because it just is right. So (laughs) step number one is about being, again, 100 percent aware of how you're showing up. Are you operating in a victim mode? If you are operating in a victim mode, that's perhaps one of the lowest energy levels to be vibrating at. So you are never going to be able to access your intuition there because you're trying to like somebody, this person is doing this to me. Mm. One step above victim is angry. Well, I'm going to have to kick somebody ass because they in here doing this to me. Those are like two very low energy vibrating levels. So if you're always vibrating there, you're probably not accessing your intuition. So once you get up into those higher modes to where you understand and appreciate that, wow, it's not about creating, it's not necessarily about creating a win-win for me and this other person. It's really about understanding that there's room for everybody to win. And when Mm. you're operating from that mentality, you open up so many more doors because you're not trying to keep doors closed because you're like, oh no, if I let this person in, then I'm going to lose this. You're not operating out of fear, right? Because you're just like, no, 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 no. There actually is room for everybody on this earth to be them and do them in the best way possible. And I would say that's one of the simplest ways to, to, to really tap into that intuition is just that slight mind pivot to say, okay, Everybody here can win. We can all win here. How And, and what does that look like? And being open mm-hmm. to what that looks like. And then, of course, you've got your Eastern um, medicine and your Eastern practices of yoga and meditation that are key. 
you don't got time to do meditation or you're going to tell me that your mind doesn't quiet enough for you. Cool. Mm. Take three cleansing breaths before you have to make a big decision. It is like an instant mental reset for your mind Mm. to where you can now like it literally just, you know, shakes all (laughs) the dust off of your brain (laughs) really quickly and allows you to focus in on, okay, great. I need, I really need to make this uh, decision here. Bam. Let me, let me look into it. So it does, it, it, it can, and it does exist. We have to like, whenever you want anyone around you or your situation around you to change, it requires you to have a new perspective on it. You cannot ask for change in anything or anyone if you don't change how you're looking at it. And that my friend is the, tr- that's the ticket. That's the real ticket. If you don't change how you're looking at the thing, it's, n- it's never going to change. It's always going to be whatever you labeled it as. That's what it will remain. If you decide mm. to give it a new name, if you decide to give it a new, you know, role, it will do that. It will take that role on. I've done this with people that I work because I'm still in the corporate space now. Don't get it twisted. We, st- I still run into these things. And mm-hmm. I also have to remind myself, like, if I really want this person to change, I've got to stop talking about how annoying or how um, incapable they are. I really need to look at this person and say, where are the good qualities in this person? And or speak to that person. Think about that person in the ways that I would like for them to show up. And it has worked wonders for me and for the clients that I serve. Wow. So I'm taking away two things and would love love you to hop in, Amy. One is energy recognition, right? Am I operating in victim mode? I am in angry mode. Am I about to kick somebody ass mode? I had to, I had to throw in, you know, we, we talked about using profanity and we're lagging. You just had to. Uh, on that. You so we, we, need to. To, we need to catch up. I'm looking at, I'm looking at you, Decatur. You know what I'm saying? Where's I tried it. I did drop one. I did. <laughs> you did. You did. Um, and then the second thing is perspective. Point mm-hmm. of view. And so that's powerful. Thank you for those, these lessons, uh, Dr. Alabi. Amy, in any, any thoughts, reaction from you? Yeah. I think my takeaway from what you just said is abundance. Having an abundance mindset Um we all can win, right? It's never about one or the other. I think that's interesting because a lot of your work actually does focus on like that mindset transformation. And so even what you're talking about, like essentially call the thing as you would like it to be, speak to it. You know, that is very much again, like an abundance mindset, like that you actually have the power um, to, to do that. You know, particularly in thinking about leadership and how leadership, I think, you know, I'll speak for myself, a lot of how I've associated leadership in the past has always been about some sort of a title. It's been associated with some some form of a title. And so talk to me about in the cases, like where does the mindset transformation, the abundance mindset, the energy levels, like how does that all kind of transpire and translate into when you don't have that title and that the inherent leadership qualities, like figuring out, you know, how, how to actually nurture those um, in, in that sort of context. Yeah. Uh, Another great question, Amy. And I love that you brought this up because 
um, our society is so big on titles, you know, whether you're a celebrity or a celebrity within the organization that you work for, mm-hmm. um, the, the um, salary that comes with the title that you have, right? And everybody, you know, trying to create a pecking order, so to speak, um, based on titles. And it's, it's quite a disservice, um, actually, to, to who we are. But, hey, it's a system right? That um, nobody seems to be uh, in a hurry to change or fix. So where does that leave the people who don't have those titles? It leaves you with being aware of, again, who you are and what powers you carry that can influence the leader. So um, I think that's that's an area of leadership that a lot of people uh, sleep on, right? Because mm-hmm. even if you look into every civilization prior to us becoming, you know, who we are today, right? The king had a right-hand man in every, across every ethnic group, um, whatever, right? There's a right-hand person there. Yeah, they've got the title of being the right-hand person, but they are almost like, the neck that turns the head of the king, right? They've got that major influence. They're not king, but they damn sure might as well be because they have the ability to speak to that, right? Um, And then there are people even below that person that also influence that person that ultimately influences the king. And Mm -hmm. that is how people who don't have titles um, can think about the work that they do can think about the uh, engagements that they have with the people that have titles, right? Um, I think it's important to, again, go back to what it is that you value, right? Um, When we think about the corporate space, there's a lot of responsibility that comes with being a leader in the corporate space. Is that something that you want if you're a person without a title Mm -hmm. right now, right? Are you willing to be on call 24-7, for your leader and then for the people reporting to you. So you're like in the middle right here, you know, like, Mm -hmm. is that something that you want? If it's not something that you want, cool, great. How do you still influence your leader? You do that in your one-on-ones. You do that by being very clear about the work that you're doing and your own personal and professional goals in those spaces. You do that by asking for the work that you want to do as on top of, you know, whatever is your normal day-to-day work. But again, just um, really tapping into that boldness and that courage to say, I'm very clear on, on what my strengths are here. This is where I feel like I can serve the team. You get the best out of me when I'm doing work like this. I've noticed that, ex- you know, like just being really clear on, mm-hmm. um, on you, Right. Because then that gives your leader the opportunity to plug and play you where you best fit so that you can do the things that you like doing at the job, as opposed to being given things that you hate because you didn't open your mouth to say, this is what I like, (laughs) you know, or this is where I'm great. So um, that's one way. I think another way that people without a title in the workplace lead and influences in the community right? So there are, that is another way that you can be an asset to your organization. If you are big stuff in your community, you can leverage that internally. And it's all about, again, it goes back to knowing what you want. What do you want out of this role? Is it just the paycheck? Cool. Then you're not going to do anything extra. Is it the paycheck and a little bit of recognition? Cool. Then you're going to do a little bit extra in defining what that 
project looks like for you, right? Mm -hmm. But you've got to know what it is that you want. And I will say today, yesterday, it's never been a priority for um, us in this, uh, in this country. Um, you hear a lot of people talking about it. However, when you ask the average American what they want, it's going to be very challenging for them to articulate that for you. They mm-hmm. will go into a, you know, diatribe about what I don't want is blah, 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 blah. And I don't want. And it's like, yeah, that's great. What do you want? Mm-hmm. And they still can't give it to you. So if you find yourself vacillating in this space that you're currently in, where you're just like, oh, work, it could be better, but I, you can break unwanted and unnecessary cycles by being very clear on what it is that you want out of the situation, Mm -hmm. out of the relationship, out of the work, like get clear on that and you'll be, you'll be good to go. Your life will uptick and up level tremendously. So I have one more question and then then Brian has one more question. And so my question, a lot of what you just said, and I feel like what you've been talking about throughout this entire podcast, again, kind of seems like it starts to, um, uh, those energy levels are are pretty important, right? Like a lot of the energy levels, where we vibrate, where we where we sit, um, as it relates to the energy that we put out, um, really reflects um, kind of what we end up getting back. And so you mentioned two energy levels, right? You mentioned the victim, and you mentioned angry. What vibrations are above that? What are we aspiring to? Yeah. So um, I'd say the vibration that's right above that is where you now start to show and express care and concern for those around Mm -hmm. you. Because so say, for instance, let me give an example. Um, A coworker walks in or a family member walks into a setting and is just like, completely out of (laughs) whack for the setting, like attitude on 10 and blah, 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 you know, like just really intense. If you're operating above anger and victim or victim and anger, because those two are like anger is right above victim. If you're operating in a level above that, you're now looking at this person like, oh, wow, something must have happened to them before they walked into the office. So I'm not going to take this completely personal. Right. Because clearly they're going through something. Right. Mm -hmm. So now you've removed yourself from the situation. And again, in order to get to that space, you got to get you, you have to start getting very intimate with yourself and, and honest with yourself, because let's be real. Some of us lie to ourselves about what it is that we think we want, what it is that we think we like because of the society that we're in. It's not it's not our faults totally. It's just how we've been programmed. So there's a lot of deprogramming that goes on in my coaching sessions with my clients because I understand where they're coming from and why they, they may be thinking it in a certain way. So it's just like, how do we get you out of this taking it personal mm-hmm. so that you can see what's really going on here and know and understand that what people say is about them. What you hear is about you. So mm-hmm. I'm constantly asking my clients like, okay, well, when that happened, what did you hear about yourself? We get silent heads till nothing. All right. Well, so then it wasn't really about you, was it? No, no, it wasn't. Okay, great. So now you can get to the next level right above that whole care and concern is that space where you now start seeing a win-win 
right above that level is um, where you start seeing that everybody wins. And then when you get two mm -hmm. levels above that, you're in full creator mode. You, you, you are mm -hmm. in it. You are in flow. And nothing can stop you because you're just like, this person having a bad day is not your problem because you know it's not about you. You're still going to be able to focus and do what needs to be done to allow cooperation to enter into a space. However, mm -hmm. we tend to resonate very the general public tends to resonate in an anger and victim mode. Like it's just kind of how mm. the society thrives, how economy, you know, <laughs> yeah. operates. It's like, I want to sell people on fear. Right. I, you know, and that's, mm. that's the baseline vibration. Mm. So <clears throat> can I use a word that I um, have never used before? Do it, do it. <laughs> This has been revelatory. That's one of my favorite <laughs> words. <laughs> that is one of my favorite. And I have a funny story for you later about that word. Remind me, please. But it is, that's my favorite word. I love that. I guess one last revelation. Can, can you sort of leave us with some words of encouragement, of uplift, of wisdom within the context that we are... We are just off of, you know, two years of unprecedented transformation, pain, loss, mm -hmm. growth, learning, um, you know, some of us connection, uh, you know, so many different things. Um, and uh, and so we are moving into whatever people are so, uh, calling the future of work. And at the intersection of the system, the culture, where we are, these unprecedented times, is each of us as individuals, us as a collective. And my question for you is, you know, what would you say to us, to us as a community, us as an audience? Um, what do you believe is required of us in this moment? Um, what should we be practicing, you know, daily? um or regularly yeah absolutely so I, I as you were talking um an affirmation that I say and repeat regularly came to mind right because it, one of the things <laughs> that we've got to do as as our um world and spaces are evolving is remind ourselves about the truth of who we are so I would like to mm -hmm. share that affirmation um, and, and then I'll get into a little bit more of the requirements of this new space. So that affirmation is simply this. I am whole. I am perfect. I am powerful. I am loving and I am harmonious. Those are very clear truths about who you are every morning that you wake up because yesterday is gone and it no longer exists. So every day that you wake up, you get the opportunity to step into and live out those words that are highly vibrational. And it is remembering that you're not missing anything. That's why I love that first piece of it. I am whole, right? Mm -hmm. And calling that as your truth setting that uh, if you do that in the morning and multiple times throughout the day, it really sets the intention for the day. Like, and it lets the, the world or the day know what you're here to do or how you're wanting to show up and things just naturally meld around you because you've already declared, Hey, this is, this is who I am. 
And that's really powerful. And um, I, I, I would second that statement by saying um, I am is way more powerful than I will is mm-hmm. way more powerful than I do. So um, as you're speaking to yourself in these times, talking about the truth of who you are, the I ams, those things are true. They, they're, they're not, um, they're indisputable, so to speak. So as we're moving into this, this new way of working or this future of work, which I think is actually just a return back to normal, because <laughs> it sounds like um, the generation coming out of school wants to be in an office. They don't want to be in a virtual setting, right? So when you get back to the office, it requires you to show up authentically. We already seen you in your bonnet and with your little, your dogs (laughs) all in the camera, you know, we've seen it all. We've heard you go off on your children in the back of a, you know, um, because you forgot that you weren't on silent during a a meeting. So you've already let it hang out. Hmm. Go ahead and just come through. What's 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 good? Don't try to stuff it back in now because you got to be in the office. Show up authentically. And I know there are going to be some people out there saying, "Well, Margaret, how do you? How in the hell do you do that?" It's practice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it really is practice. Nobody can do you better than you, right? So you've got to get out there and just start getting comfortable with allowing you to, you know, yourself to just be um, and do that in the safest way possible for you. Right. I'm not out here promoting that everybody just get out, you know, you, you, you know, the environment that you work in, you do small tolerable doses of yourself until you get to this comfortable place where, if you're anything like me, I'm comfortable. Like I practice this in time. So they know what I'm going, like they know me, they know I will probably switch into my African accent. If something is really, really ridiculous, I'm like, what is this? And they already know, like, I'm not trying to hide those pieces of me because they make me who I am in the workplace. It brings the great energy. It It allows me to do the best work that I can possibly do because I've created a safe zone for me. If you're waiting for anybody to create a safe zone for you, mm-hmm. baby, you're going to be waiting forever. So that's why I say in small, tolerable doses, <clears throat> you figure out what works that allows you to be your most authentic self in this workplace um, as you as you start going back into the office. I love that. <clears throat> I love um thing that is just is going to stay with me for a long time is that no one's going to create these safe zones and spaces for you. You've got to do that for you. And so, um, and I never, I've never heard that before. And it, and it's so important. I think as an only child, um, I think I, I defaulted into that, um, as means, you know, started out as survival, but like even in thriving, even in creator mode, you got to create those spaces so that you can create and do what you do at the highest level. And so, um, that's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Gratitude. Yes. Can we do just a, and wait, and do, do you have a, um, are you, are you from the continent, from the motherland? The, the, what, 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 um, what region, what country, what city Nigeria. are you from? Nigeria. Okay. So when you hit the accent, so we're going to have to do a whole situation, a whole interview <laughs> just <laughs> in the accent, you in know, the in accent. the native tongue. <laughs> 
in the native tongue. You know what I mean? Because like that, that's that real energy. Okay. Because when they start talking to you, honey, you you got to remember, you're like, okay, am I still on this earth? They just <laughs> <laughs> and then and then and then we got to do one. We got to do one um, indicator. You know what I'm saying? We got we're gonna have to do a whole <laughs> yes. Y- Right and like I don't know we're gonna have to just do Atlanta shit like let's do a hundred percent Atlanta like episode. Yeah. Um we can I'm talk about what is Atlanta and what is not Atlanta. It's not Atlanta, right? Because they told us <laughs> in the song, honey. They told us in the song people be trying to front. Mm-mm, that's not Atlanta. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, this has awesome. been so lovely. I've I've thoroughly enjoyed the conversation, the questions. Um, Awesome question. Yes. Dr. Margaret Alabi, tell tell our listeners where they can find you, how they can connect with you and all the good stuff. Absolutely. So on Instagram, I am at Ready, Set, Pivot. And that's also the name of my website, www.readysetpivot.com. And if you are feeling very, very free, email me at Margaret. <laughs> at readysetpivot.com. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful for you. Grateful for this time. Uh, grateful. Now when we see all of the five-star reviews come in from our members who who are matched with you as a coach, like it's, it's very, very apparent as to why that is always, always the consistent thing. So we appreciate you. Um, and thank you. Thank you for helping us understand how we can start to prioritize ourselves as leaders and as individuals. Thank you. Absolutely. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you again for being here and for honoring us with your time. This podcast is created by With Wellness, hosted by Amy and Brian Lattimore, produced by Joseph Ayani. Music and graphics will be linked in the comments and show notes. Before we part ways, we offer you a moment of peace. Take these next 60 seconds to simply breathe. your day, remember, you deserve to be prioritized.